Welcome to Earth Matters, stories of environmental and social justice produced in the studios of 3CR Radio in Fitzroy, Victoria and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. Hi, I'm Michaela Stubbs. This week on Earth Matters, we look at some examples of the way that arts are being employed to address environmental and social justice issues, understand the crisis that we're in, invite us to see the opportunity that presents, and move us to action. Arts and media maker Alex Kelly, science communicator Joe Duggan, and activist Chris Garrard will all join us on the show today to talk about some of the arts-based projects that they're involved with. First up, we'll speak with Alex Kelly, a filmmaker and producer based in Alice Springs. She's worked extensively with various political and arts organisations and since 2004 has worked with the arts and social change company Big Heart. She's currently working as a producer on the documentary No Man is an Island, directing a TV series on social movements in Australia and touring with a project called This Changes Everything. You've been working in the fields of arts activism and community organising for a really long time now and have worked on an amazing range of projects. I'm wondering... Uh, if you can just tell listeners to begin with how you started out. The regional Australia had a really huge scene community and as a kid growing up on a farm, exchanging um, packages and writing and zines with other regional writers and um, people was a huge connection. And I also read um, a first, kind of my first political writing through that kind of underground publishing scene. And then um, when I moved to Melbourne in 1998, I took part in the Jabaluka blockade. And that was a pretty huge um, revelation for me, particularly seeing how the mainstream media covered the blockade. And when I came back to Melbourne, I heard that a filmmaker called Pip Star was making a film called Fight for Country. And when I saw his film about Jabaluka, I just had this kind of total epiphany that you didn't have to rely on the mainstream media and you could be involved in telling your own story and support other people to tell their stories. And got involved with Scar TV and Access News and then Indie Media. So there was a kind of independent media explosion in the late 90s, early 2000s, and I was lucky enough to be around and collaborate with lots of people through that time. Most recently, you've been working on a project, This Changes Everything. Can you tell us a bit about this project and your role there? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm working with Naomi Klein and Avi Lewis, Canadian author and filmmaker, on a big project called This Changes Everything. So Naomi Klein's written a book called This Changes Everything, Capitalism Versus the Climate, and her partner, Avi Lewis, has finished a documentary film, which is just about to come out, which is a companion to the book, my role is working on the um, outreach and engagement for the project. So that basically means trying to work out how we can use the project and the rollout of the book and film to serve and support the work that social movements are doing, especially um, around trying to bring different people into coalition together to work around climate change and inequality and social and economic justice. So <laughs> it's pretty ambitious. It's global. It's multilingual, um, but it's very, very exciting. It's, uh, it just feels like such an incredible moment in history. Uh, um, and Naomi's a really powerful voice at synthesising certain ideas um, and 
to be working so that it's not just a book and film that are out in the world um, in the traditional way, but are also connecting with social movements to support the work that different grassroots organisers are doing on the ground is just it's just a joyful, joyful job. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's so important because there has been, well, there's been so much writing about climate change and... Yeah, I guess especially on the science of climate change and in fact has been the largest collaborative scientific project that we know about, but that hasn't seemed to translate into seeing the kind of action that's required to address this. How do you think that it's possible to get to that place where we are starting to enact the kind of action that's required at this time? I think that um, there's a really, there's a few really important sort of foundational pieces to making the huge changes that we need to make to our economy and to our energy systems. Um, and I think one of the most fundamental things is um, believing that change is possible. And um, you know, we've grown up, well, for me, I'm in my mid-30s, I've grown up in in the complete... Um, realm of the neoliberal ideology and that there's some very, very deep ideas about the way that the market and the economy should work or do work. Um, And I think that one of the very first things that we need to do is imagine and then believe that um, other ways of organising society and the economy are possible. And I think that's why the artists and writers and filmmakers are so important because we need to be hearing stories about possibilities and change so that we really do believe believe in the changes that, that need to happen. Uh, and, uh, and I think joining the dots between different struggles and seeing that you know true action on climate change can also enable us to redress other historic injustices by the way that we change and transform our, our economy is actually a really exciting thing. So I think it's about um, inviting people to see that it's possible. Can you give us some examples of the way that you've seen this happen in some of the other projects that you've worked on? I worked with a really incredible company called Big Heart for about 10 years and with them I worked on a project called Nupaji Nupaji. And the, the production was about was exploring the, the British atomic tests at Maralinga but we also um, created a play that was in Pichinjara in English and taught some Pichinjara during the show. And that act of seemingly benign and cute kind of teaching a kid's head, shoulders, knees and toes at the Alipirimuti dinner in Pichinjara was a really powerful way of uh, opening people's eyes to thinking about how little mainstream in Australia engages with Aboriginal language and culture. So sometimes using small, playful cultural devices can actually be a way of entering into a much bigger and more profound conversation. Um, and I, yeah, I've re- observed a lot of really powerful examples of that on different projects that I've been involved in, but also lots of other things that I've seen um, other people working on. So I'm I'm very, very convinced that art, culture, and story are you know critical to the transitions that we need to make. Mm. And in your recent address to the 2970 Degrees Conference in Brisbane, yeah. uh, you talked about healthy movement ecology. Can you talk to us a, a bit about that? 
sure. I mean, I think that far too often activists and organisers uh, tear each other apart, criticise each other's tactics, argue about what the best option and the best way to respond to something is. And often that's based on different theories of change or different ideas about the kinds of activism that people want to do, whether it's direct action or policy change, etc. And I think uh, a healthy movement ecology is one where there's space for that diversity of tactics. And instead of spending time arguing about which thing is the most important thing to do, we actually realise that it's the intersection of all of those things together that is what actually enables change. Because when we look back at really big um, political wins, um, there's so many things that are happening simultaneously to achieve that. And it's never really just one person or one tactic that is the, is the lever for that change. So I think we need to identify all the things that unite us and work together a lot more than we do. Because if we look at the science on climate and if we look at the kind of policies that Abbott and co are bringing in, we can see that there's so much under threat and we really need to build power uh, much more quickly and, and strongly so that we can ensure that these changes don't get pushed through. Can you talk a bit about the events that are coming up with the This Changes Everything project? Yes, for sure. So Naomi Klein's about to come out to Australia for the Melbourne Writers' Festival and the Festival of Dangerous Ideas. I think there's still some tickets left um, at the Melbourne Writers' Festival talk um, next on the weekend of the 29th and 30th of August. But alongside those public meetings, we're having some smaller gatherings with um, different people from across a whole range of different movements and really looking at um, how the ideas that Naomi uh, raises in the book might be relevant to the Australian context and to talk a bit more about what alliance building looks like in Australia and also what bringing a climate justice lens to our work looks like in Australia. So really try to use her tour as a catalyst uh, for a whole lot of conversations on a lot of levels and she'll also be doing a lot of media while she's here and I think it's a very ripe time when we see what's going on with the attacks on green movements in Australia from the federal government. So it's going to be a very interesting few weeks. Mm. Oh, fantastic. And, um, yeah, was there anything else you wanted to add? Go 3CR, go independent <laughs> radio. It's such a critical part of all this work. So thanks for having me on Earth Matters. Across the land on the Community Radio Network, this is Earth Matters, and I was just speaking with Alex Kelly. As she mentioned, she is part of an outreach team with This Changes Everything, as well as developing a TV series on social movements in Australia called From Little Things, Big Things Grow. If you'd like to check out more of her projects, please go to echotango.org. You're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network, and I'm Michaela Stubbs. Is This How You Feel is an exhibition of 22 handwritten letters from some of Australia's leading climate researchers, and it's on display as part of the Melbourne Writers' Festival and National Science Week. For this project, Joe Duggan invited leading climate scientists to set aside the dry scientific language that they engage with daily and pick up a pen and paper to answer a simple question. Joe Duggan joins us now to talk about that project. 
I'm a science communicator, um, and that could mean a lot of things, but uh, what it means to me at the moment is that I'm, I'm acting as that middle ground, that conduit between scientists, the researchers, and the greater public. Um, it, the most recent work I've created is entitled Is This How You Feel? And it's a collection of letters. The, the greater collection is uh, 42 letters from researchers hailing from eight different countries, so all over the globe. But what we're showcasing here in Melbourne um, during National Science Week and Melbourne Writers Festival is 22 Australian letters by some of Australia's leading climate researchers. Now, the letters, they contain the feelings of the researchers. I just asked them one simple question, if they could write one page on how climate change makes them feel. Mm. And, uh, yeah, we've got quite a large collection now. Excellent. And maybe you could describe a letter that speaks to you personally. Sure, there's quite a few. I mean, a, a favourite of mine um, comes from one of the researchers, Ailey Gallant. Um, and one of the things she says is that she herself feels apathetic at times. She, she feels guilty over that apathy, you know. She's one of the most uh, educated people on these topics and yet she still finds it hard to not feel apathetic. And I mean, there are other ones as well. There's a gentleman called Brendan Mackey um, and uh, he's a researcher that, in his letter, turned to sarcasm. And you can tell he's sort of throwing his hands up in the air a little bit over how he feels about this issue. Um, yeah, some very, very powerful letters. Mm. And what has been the response to that exhibition so far? Positive, positive. But this, this project's been in existence for about 12 months now. Um, it's had a few small gallery showings in the past. This is the first big scale one, um, but it's also been online for the rest of the time and, and we're getting lots of positive uh, feedback. I've heard from teachers over in England that are showing these letters to their grade 10 classes as a way to try and get to get them to engage with the issue of climate change. I've heard from grandmothers from the Atherton Tablelands uh, thanking me for, for putting the project together and asking if they can put these letters in their, in their local paper so that people in their community can be exposed to them and, and feel the things that this, this grandma was feeling when she was reading the letters. And so what we're try trying to do with Is This How You Feel is provide another avenue for people to relate to the issue that is climate change. The, the scientists that have written the letters are showing real raw passion, but they're showing that passion over the fate of the planet. So maybe, you know, fear, optimism, anger, hope, all these emotions can be another way for everyone else to connect to climate change. Excellent. Where can people go to see the letters? Well, excellent. Our Australian letters are being shown from the 18th to the 29th of August at 45 downstairs, the gallery at 45 Flinders Lane. Um, and if people want to come along and see the exhibition, there'll be a chance for them to write their own letters as well. Uh, we have a website. If you just search, is this how you feel climate in Google, that will come up and there'll be a whole suite of letters that, that people can read for themselves and we have places for people to contribute online as well. So we'll be more than happy to um, feature it on our website and show everyone else as well. That was Joe Duggan, science communicator and instigator of the exhibition Is This How You Feel? Then you can see them posted at isthishowyoufeel.weebly.com. Thank you.
I'm Michaela Stubbs, and you're listening to Earth Matters, bringing you environmental and social justice stories. This show is produced in the studios of 3CR Radio and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. Our podcast can be downloaded at earthmatters.org.au. Starting out in the UK in 2012, the BP or Not BP Collective of activists are committed to kicking BP out of the arts using Gorilla Shakespeare and other exciting theatrical interventions to ensure that British Petroleum's greenwashing through the arts will not go unchallenged. And together with other groups that form the Art Not Oil Coalition have their sights set on ending the age of oil sponsorship for the arts. In April this year, they staged two interventions at an exhibition in the British Museum called Indigenous Australia Enduring Cultures. Sponsored by BP, the exhibition includes many stolen Aboriginal artefacts, including three bark paintings that belong to the Jajawarang Nation. Chris Garrard speaks to us about the work of the collective and invites further collaborations. BP or not BP is a, we call ourselves a theatrical activist collective, so like actor, because we perform theatre and, and drama about issues to do with oil sponsoring uh, the arts and cultural institutions in the UK. And so we've been to the Royal Shakespeare Company here, the British Museum, a whole range of institutions to, to shine a light on companies like Shell and BP trying to cleanse their brand image by sponsoring these big institutions. Mm, excellent. And of particular interest for us here in Australia was to see your recent action at the British Museum around an exhibition that they have um, running on Indigenous Australian art. Can you tell me a bit about yeah. what inspired that and yeah, and just describe the actions that you took? Yeah. So as a group, we did two actions during the Indigenous Australia exhibition at the British Museum. And that particular exhibition was directly sponsored by BP. And when we first found out, we... Uh, we were a bit appalled because BP's uh, treatment of Indigenous peoples uh, all around the world is appalling, and, and so we really wanted to expose that. Um, and so with the first action, uh, we went, we took some Aboriginal flags and other banners, and we we wanted to say, you know, obviously we're, we're British people, and we can't speak for Indigenous people, but we wanted to express our, our solidarity in some way. So we tried to reach out and build some relationships there. And it was apparent that there were objects in that exhibition that communities wanted uh, returned. Um, primarily, uh, Gary Murray um, is working very hard to get objects returned. So we, we were looking at connections between the kind of colonial legacy of BP and of the British Museum and how those are tied together and, and see these two things as kind of two sides of the same coin, really. Um, so the first time we were dressed as as kind of comical robbers to show the fact that there had been this theft of resources and theft of objects. 
And in our more recent action, we did like a more elaborate piece of theatre where we showed that the museum just isn't listening to concerns about uh, indigenous rights, concerns about climate change, and and you know how BP is just a really inappropriate choice of sponsor. Yes, absolutely. And um, I'm interested in the kind of response that you got, both from the mm. museum, but I guess more broadly from people who saw the action happening or maybe got to see it yeah. afterwards. So we film all of our actions because of a, a lot of people follow what we do online. And with our first one, we, we were a bit unsure, but we were really encouraged that it was shared by a lot of uh, Aboriginal activists and uh, Aboriginal community members because we really wanted to kind of build some kind of relationship there and do something that was um, appropriate and, and fitting. And we just kept tracking where it had gone on social media and, and people like Gary Murray and Gary Foley sharing this uh, this video. And and just the comments and the feedback we were getting back from people, it just showed that social media was a really powerful tool for sharing that. And And then in the museum, just... Once we set up these performances, you get hundreds of people gathering around and we have this whole, this incredible space inside the museum to start telling these these stories about what's wrong with the sponsorship to have that engagement and the conversations. And if we were to just turn up with a banner and chant, yeah, people would listen, but we don't get into the details. Whereas we, we were able to tell people about the four new deep water wells that BP wants to drill in the Great Australian Bight and and how these are deeper than the Gulf of Mexico wells, and how we, you know, how we can really change that by damaging uh, BP's brand image uh, through these kind of actions. We started finding this was a much more interesting and kind of emotive and engaging way, both for us to campaign to people, but both in terms of our own enjoyment. Uh, we felt like our campaigns and activism needed to be fun in order to be sustainable as well, so you don't end up burning out as an activist. And I think also the the real interest of that group is this issue to do with the art. But we, you know, as far as we can, we really want to build these connections and, and find ways of working in solidarity with those those communities who are really on the front line of the impact from the oil industry as well. And if, you know, if we can use our theatre or our actions to try and just highlight those other struggles or the other campaigns that are out there, then... You know, that's, that's what we're going to try and strive to do in, in our performances. I know that, that you've had many different performances, but other ones that have connected with communities, for example, who were directly impacted by BP's oil spill uh, in, in the Gulf. And could you describe something that you've done around that? As a group, we did a performance um, which was, on the morning of uh, the big climate, a big climate march in London, and um, we've just done it again at the Edinburgh Festival here, which is this big festival of theatre there, at, and which is also sponsored by BP. And this performance was called uh, Gross Negligence, which uh, is the charge that was handed down by Judge Barbier uh, to BP over the Deepwater Horizon disaster, effectively saying that 
BP was accountable because they were grossly negligent and therefore had to pay this fine of $18.7 billion. Um, and, and so in that, uh, it's essentially a piece of poetry, but we've, we've woven in some music and we, we kind of create this tableau as we perform it of and tell the story of a fisherman whose livelihood has kind of been destroyed and of the cleanup worker who has become sick from the cleanup chemicals and also the wildlife, the ecosystems that have been damaged. And, you know, in a, in a very kind of subtle way, just kind of representing these different groups and these different people who've been impacted in a, in a whole range of ways and, and how those impacts are still going on today. Excellent. Well, is there anything else that you would like to add? As a group, we've had this opportunity uh, to campaign around the Indigenous Australia exhibition at the British Museum, and that's going to be coming to an end, or, or has just come to an end. But we're really keen to kind of keep working and, and building these links, and if there are ways that we can support, you know, the campaign against BP and the Australian Bite or any other kind of campaigns where we've got common ground, you know, we, if anybody wants to get in touch with us or we can support or work together, you know, I guess that's just a message to put out there that we'd really love to do more of that work and, and where we can work together, we'd love to. Fantastic. If people want to have a look at what you're doing, um, where can they find out that information? So if they go to our website, which is www.bp- or hyphen not hyphen bp org and you can find stuff out there or on uh, we're on twitter and it's at reclaim our bard uh, which because we started out doing lots and lots of shakespeare as well so a lot of spoof shakespeare so reclaim our bard is where you can find us on twitter we were speaking to chris duggan from the bp or not bp collective in the uk BP has four permits to explore for oil and gas off the South Australian coast in the Great Australian Bight, a few hundred kilometres southwest of Sejuna. These permits commit BP to a $605 million exploration program, including a seismic survey and drilling four exploration wells, which are due to commence in late 2016. That's all we have time for on the show today, but I'll be taking a closer look at this story in an upcoming edition of Earth Matters. You've been listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network with Michaela Stubbs. Thanks to all those contributors to today's show, Alex Kelly, Joe Duggan, Chris Garrard and BP or Not BP. We'll provide links to all those projects on our Earth Matters Facebook page. Today's podcast and others like it can be downloaded at earthmatters.org.au. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their generous financial support and the Community Radio Network for distributing this show around the country. Earth Matters was produced in the studios at 3CR Radio on Wurundjeri Country in Fitzroy, Victoria. Our contact phone is 0394198377 and our email is earthmatters3cr at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Earth Matters will be back next week with more environmental and social justice news.
dressed as robbers because there is a colonial legacy of Britain taking Aboriginal land, of taking possessions. We're here as British people who believe that we want to change that legacy. Stolen land. Stolen land. Brian Lee, the chairman of a community in Kimberley, Western Australia, has said, for our people, it is an obligation to your ancestors to look after your country and you have to be on your country to look after it. Stolen culture! Gary Murray has said, because of the new legislation, it is supposedly legally impossible for us to use the Commonwealth heritage laws to get the bargs back if they are brought back into this country. It is a story intrinsically related to questions of Aboriginal sovereignty, about deculturalisation, about dispossession. No. Gilar Michael Anderson, an Aboriginal leader, said about forced closures of communities. They're not telling anybody, but what they're after is uranium. They're after gold. They're after all of the natural resources that sit underneath this land. It's just totally inhumane what's going on in this country. They are cutting off all the essential services. This is tantamount to a campaign that you would wage in a war. Stolen culture! Gary Murray has said, it's a positive thing that a few of my people might get to see the barks again for a very short period, but it taunts us spiritually. We just get to see them for a fleeting moment, and they are taken back again to the British Museum, where they'll be held in the archives downstairs for another decade. It's not right. Stolen climate! Tom Karma, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander, Social Justice Commissioner, until 2010, has said, as coastal and island communities confront rising sea levels and inland areas become hotter and drier, Indigenous people are at risk of further economic marginalisation as well as potential dislocation from and exploitation of their traditional lands, waters and natural resources. Stolen climate. Stolen climate. In 2011, the Torres Strait Island Regional Council wrote an open letter to the then Prime Minister, Julia Gillard, stating that failure to act on desperately needed adaptation measures in the Torres Strait puts Australia at risk of being the first developed nation with internally displaced climate change refugees. The Deepwater Horizons bill is something that could so easily happen again and if it was to happen south of Australia, the fallout would be far worse. The seas are much rougher there and when we can see how bad a job they've done of the Gulf of Mexico, to be even thinking about setting up in that part of the world, it's just, it's just, it just shouldn't happen, it's just wrong. Beep, beep, beep. Beep, beep, beep.